Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I was very blessed because not a lot of trans women, you know, get to tell the story of how trans women are raising children who have been displaced from their homes. They don't get to hear that. And what a beautiful way to do it through Pose, a a story, a love letter from so many of the writers, many who really put a lot of work into, you know, really representing the LGBTQI community like how it should. I thought it was a dream. And welcome to The Awardist, EW's weekly podcast where we dive deep into the Emmy race. This week we'll be talking about the drama series race, and it's a big one. Mm. I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic from Entertainment Weekly, and I'm joined by my delightful colleague, Jared Hall, senior TV editor. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a it's been a crazy week, but I'm it sure has. Just ex- I'm just excited to sit down and talk TV with you as per usual. Yes, yes, always. And like you said, there's so much drama, Ooh, drama. Ah, <laughs> to talk about. Exactly. This year's dramas, though, my gosh. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I keep thinking back to last year and how, especially around the time, you know, when we were starting to plan the fall TV preview and we were like, there's just no, like, what do we do? Because... Nobody's able to film during the pandemic and we're getting those things that were shot before the pandemic, but there's nothing like there were so few things. And this year there's just uh, I mean, since everybody was able to go back into production, um, gosh, what starting in like uh, August, September last year, there's just an embarrassment of riches in TV. It's so true. It just makes me happy to look at this list and think, like, compared to where we were a year ago, uh, let's talk about some of these nominees. Well, I want to start by saying that uh, Succession um, is, is not eligible this year. They did not have a new season, um, so they are not even able to try to win again and, uh, you know, have a repeat victory. But the nominees this year are from Amazon Prime Video, The Boys. Netflix has a couple nominees here with Bridgerton and The Crown. Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale, HBO's Lovecraft Country, which uh, was canceled just a couple days before we got the news of its Whoopsie. nomination. Yeah, at Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, on FX, the final season of Pose, and on NBC, This Is Us, which... I'm doing some snaps. Sorry, I had to do some snaps for Pose. Yeah, for Pose. And just yeah. <laughs> uh, to let you guys know, we will be talking later in the episode with yeah. Pose star and historic Emmy nominee yes. MJ Rodriguez and co-creator, writer, director, and Emmy nominee Stephen Canals, who is also just a delight. Yeah, he's he's such a pleasure to speak with. And this is a guy who used to work in like in education and he got mm-hmm. into TV and this uh, series is his first and he kind of knocked it out of the park with that one. But uh, let's talk about these nominees here. Um, this is us. Good for them. We can move on from that one. I, I mean, think. <laughs> bless their hearts. I just yeah. I can't do it, Jared. You know no. that I can't do it. I can't watch anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, they, they tackled a lot of very timely things this year. They dealt mm-hmm. with the pandemic. They dealt with Black Lives Matter. They dealt with race in a very, 
um, I, I, the Randall uh, Sterling K. Brown storylines, I think, were the best of the show. Right. And just uh, some really great performances from him. But um, let's talk about, I know another one, well, you don't want to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Um <laughs> Uh, but a very uh, dramatic season, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, right? um, stuff finally happened in the yeah. second half of season 400 or whatever this is. <laughs> um, look, you know, the performances are good. It's just that the show has been treading water for so long. They finally yeah. kind of got the story in gear after a zillion false starts. Like she's escaping. She's not escaping. She's escaping. She's caught. She's escaping. She's not escaping. So, you know, great. But I just, I feel like that's, this is one that's a little bit of a knee jerk nomination. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure that voters were like glued to this new season and said, you know, we believe this deserves an Emmy. I think they see names they recognize and check it off. That's fair. I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. Look, I think in the limited series category, I think WandaVersion is very worthy of its nomination there. And and for all of the nominations, it got The Mandalorian. I don't know if it rises to the level of some of these other best drama nominees. I mean, look, they they do a fantastic job, um, you know, visually, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed yeah. the show. But It's interesting because, yeah, it, you know, I wouldn't, be surprised or in any way irked to see it get a bunch of technical nominations, but mm-hmm, right. are really like narratively speaking, we're saying this is an outstanding drama right. series yeah. about helmets. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> people love it and yeah, they do. They certainly do. There's no, uh, you can't argue about taste, although you totally can. Uh, but mm. I'm, I guess I'm not that surprised I would be yeah. floored if it won, but I don't oh, want to put that out into the universe. Yeah. Do you feel like there are any shows that, like The Mandalorian or This Is Us, prevented from being nominated? That they took their spot? There, there wasn't one here where I felt like there was a huge snub in terms of, you know, yeah. obviously Succession was not uh, eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. I know you do love P Valley. I do love P-Valley. I think it's a little too early for that show. (laughs) I will say in terms of The Mandalorian um, and even The Boys, it's nice to see voters starting to expand their horizons in terms of into more genre type shows. You know, please don't at me, all you Star Wars (laughs) fans, if it's not a genre show. I just mean... You know, anything in the science fiction or comic mm-hmm. book realm has not yeah. specifically, you know, certainly with Game of Thrones, but in years before that, it was not something that regularly got no. nominated. So it is sure nice to see that there are other types of shows that are uh, getting recognized. I mean, I am very surprised about The Boys, but people really do like that show. And, you know, yeah. Amazon certainly has money Uh, to put behind it. I do think, I feel like that's their first nomination in this category. Yep. I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, To your point there. I mean, the, the boys is also, I mean, it's so much more than just superheroes. There's, there's so Mm -hmm. much uh, at play there with, you know, a lot of the interpersonal drama and the themes that are being explored. And same thing with Lovecraft country, also very much a a, a genre show, you know, it's uh, this, uh, do I, I don't, fantasy's not right, but certainly sci-fi, anyone who's familiar right. with uh, Lovecraft and all of his uh, stories, you know, we're, we're applying these tales of monsters to kind of the real life horrors, uh, you know, that people have had to live through 
in the history of this country. Um, so, right. you know, monsters, both supernatural and real. And they did a um, at first I was not sure how that was going to work out for them. But uh, I, I think they did make it work, uh, made for some really different and unique and interesting TV. And then they got canceled. Will the show somehow be uncanceled because of all of this? Will someone else take it up? I don't know. I mean, it's not a cheap show. No, it's not a cheap show. And it's not one of those like manifest on NBC where we're seeing all these campaigns of like, oh, it might actually come back. Um, We're not hearing that chatter about Lovecraft. So unfortunately, I think um, it's going to be a a one season and done. I do wonder if maybe that means that could be something where HBO, because certainly the creator has been teasing sort of what would have happened in season two. Maybe they could do, um, you know, sort of a Deadwood treatment and Mm -hmm. give it a movie Movie. or just something to wrap it up. But yes, it definitely was not a great look for HBO to cancel that show and then it gets an Emmy nomination. Sure was not. It really makes me wonder if they knew they were going to cancel it, but they wanted to wait until at least the nominations voting to be done. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't want that news out during during voting. Yeah. Um, All right. So that leaves us these two series from Netflix. Uh, I will start with the one that I think has no shot at winning, but uh, I kind of love seeing in there. Bridgerton. This was a show that I think if you ask our colleague Maureen Linker, not a surprise at all that it was going to be nominated. Certainly not a surprise that it was going to be such a huge hit. This show was an absolute juggernaut, uh, you know, became part of the pop culture conversation, not just for a minute, but for a very extended period of time. And of course, speaking of period, it's a period piece and and all of the great stuff that goes along with that that also elevates, uh, you know, the look, the material and um, makes it worthy for recognition, I think. Yes. And it's, you know, unlike Downton Abbey, it's a period piece where, uh, you know, it looks like the real world in that, you know, once again, Shonda Rhimes and her team, you know, they broke convention by giving us a a Regency era London where Mm -hmm. didn't matter what color your skin was, you could be royalty, you could be nobility. And, you know, in that way, it was a fantasy, but um, this is a show that's so much fun. It's it's very it's like incredibly. There's so much sex in it, just so much sex, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's not. It's like a notch above a Harlequin novel in terms of like <laughs> right, right. You know, quality. the The performances mm-hmm. were all very good. It's just it's not super like dignified, I guess I would say. Yeah, but it's fair. so yeah. much fun, so entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think when you compare it to something like The Crown, where, uh-huh. I mean, the acting on The Crown is like leaps and bounds above the acting on pretty much everything yes. else on this everything list. Everything here. Um, mm-hmm. So The Crown has never actually won for Outstanding Drama Series. So that could be indicating that, you know, something else has a shot here, or it could be that this season, season four, which was universally hailed as one yeah. of the best, if not yes. the best, maybe now is the time. And it is the final season with Olivia Coleman as right. uh, the queen. So mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the crown is the one to beat, but I also am not in any way certain that it's going to win. Oh, really? See, I, I don't know. I, well, okay. I, I do agree with you in, in a certain regard that yes, I, th- I think it's the, the strongest season of the series. Um, mm-hmm. uh, until Pose season three came along, I thought, oh yeah, the crown easily has got this. I think Pose might right. be its biggest threat here. Possibly, possibly Lovecraft country. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. love to see Pose. You know, I love this season. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that show. I think all the nominations are deserved. Um, yes. It's hard. You know, I wouldn't be angry at either of them winning. I would be angry if this is us one. So I feel like I there's no that. chance yeah. in hell of that happening. But maybe because I just said that, <laughs> I jinxed it, and it will Don't. win. <laughs> knock, knock wood somewhere, yeah. Well, yeah. so let's get into then uh, the lead actress in a drama, because uh, speaking of Pose, and uh, you know, you mentioned we have MJ Rodriguez on the show today. MJ's performance, uh, and I think you've you've mentioned here before how she's just grown. You you could see her growth as a performer over three yes. years. I think a lot of that has to do with she's had fantastic material to work with. Mm-hmm. She is surrounded by some really strong people. I mean, you put MJ and Billy Porter in a scene together and it's really just, uh, I feel like I could watch those two together all day. I love them. Yes. So she, you know, and first trans performer to be nominated in a lead acting category. That's incredible. So good for her. And the other yeah. actresses in the field, we've got Uzo Aduba for In Treatment. Olivia Coleman for The Crown, uh, Emma Corrin for The Crown, Elizabeth yeah. Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, of course, MJ, and then Journey Smollett for Lovecraft Country. People, like, every week, her name was trending when Lovecraft yes. was airing. Because, like, even though the show got some mixed reviews and people said some episodes were stronger mm-hmm. than others, every week, yep. people were just, like, doing prayer hands on Twitter about <laughs> how great she was. Right. Yeah, yeah. This this nomination, uh, I, I would have kind of been shocked uh, if she hadn't been nominated. And um, she just she has a, a a great range of things to do in this show. I mean, and obviously mm-hmm. we know, uh, you know, with all of the CGI acting they had to do, uh, and and just the themes of the show, uh, there was there was a lot to tackle there. Uzo Aduba, always a solid performer. I don't think I've seen her do anything poorly. Uh, and she right. already has three trophies, by the way. Um, mm. So the the Television Academy, we know they love her. She has two for, uh, well, I was going to say both are supporting, but it would are they both supporting for Orange is the New Black? One is guest not and a, one is, is okay. supporting and one is like drama, one's comedy. It's very weird because of how right, that was Orange when they went split. Yeah. 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 They, when they changed uh, genres, changed categories. And another win for um, Mrs. America, which she won last year virtually. Uh, if we remember that, when she yelled to her, Mommy, I won, um, which is so <laughs> great. So um, I love it. Love her too. Um, Olivia Coleman. I think I had thought that she had won an Emmy. She's not. Of course, she's won the Oscar. She's won a Golden Globe. She gives fantastic speeches. Love her. Um, I I think she's going to be out edged here by her uh, younger co-star, the princess, Princess Diana, Emma Corrin, who just um, she had a lot of pressure on her in this role. I I don't know if she necessarily felt it, but there was a lot of pressure put on her. I'll put it that way. Yes. And she delivered. She really did. And, uh, you know, we've spoken to her about this performance mm-hmm. and just, you know, she did so much research to make sure that, you know, it was true to how Diana, you know, looked and spoke, but she also, you could just feel she really embodied the, the sort of vulnerability, but also mm-hmm. resentment and just frustration and real, you know, depression that Diana had to deal with as, you know, going from essentially a teenage girl into this Royal family, you know, meat grinder. Um, I think 
uh, the, the fact that Princess Diana remains a figure that is so universally, mm-hmm. who is so universally beloved, I feel like this performance um, will benefit from from that as well in that people mm-hmm. love Diana and they love this portrayal of her because it was so it it felt that it honored her real experience mm-hmm. or you know they talk regularly about how fictionalized it was but it was a, a, it could have very easily been uh similar to what she experienced because um so much of that is is known yeah, yeah so i think it's going to be hard. Well, and, and we've heard Meghan Markle uh, speaking similar sentiments in, in, you know, in recent months, which yes. I think um, all the more makes this performance and this story of season four so interesting to see what Princess Diana had to go through. And of course, uh, Princess Diana will continue on into season five, but a different actress as uh, she ages up for season five a bit. Do you think uh, do you think this is Emma's to lose? I do. On the other hand, I think, again, Pose could be something that is a bit of a, um, you know, a stealth candidate in that once again, you know, MJ's performance was great. And the fact that, you know, it would be a historic moment for her to win. And I don't think that's something that voters ignore when they're voting. You know, I think they do think about like, oh, well, this would be an amazing moment to see this performer mm-hmm. get up on stage, you know, I think that factors into the vote. It's not just yep. about, um, you know, popularity or, right. or the performance. So I think right. MJ could edge her out. I, mm-hmm. I really wouldn't. No, and all of that, not to say that they would award it to MJ just to have a moment. She, she's absolutely right. deserving. Yeah. She's so good. She's the heart and soul mm-hmm. of that show. And yeah. I do think it would be an amazing moment. Like, uh, yeah. to, yeah. can to you imagine win. that if, I, I'm just kind of thinking now, like, I can't imagine what MJ would feel if they I, I, said her name, yeah. especially someone who she's, you know, been very vocal saying that, you know, trans people already feel so ostracized and right. to not feel even recognized, you know, for, for what they feel is their own gender identity, their own sex. So to get this nomination and if she won, I just, I can't even imagine. Oh, I know. Well, we might be getting ahead of ourselves, but (laughs) I know, I know, but I, you know, they're pretty much any actress on this list bar barring one, I would be super excited to see win. So, um, (laughs) barring one, the one we didn't talk about. We're not going to talk about her. (laughs) Well, you know what time I think it is? I think it's time for a quick break because I can't wait for your interview, Kristen. I am so excited to share it with you. My cheeks hurt from smiling, uh, (laughs) talking to them. It was just delightful. So after the break, uh, our interview with MJ Rodriguez and Stephen Canals. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Awardist. This week, I was thrilled to be able to talk to freshly minted Emmy nominee Stephen Canals, who's the co-creator, writer, director of Pose, and his 
glamorous, lovely, leading lady, MJ Rodriguez, Emmy nominee. Please enjoy my conversation with MJ and Stephen. Welcome to you both, and thank you for being here. Hello. Hello. Thank you all. Thank you for having us. So thrilled. Uh, Pose received nine nominations, including Outstanding Drama Series. So congratulations, first of all. And uh, how did you celebrate this achievement? MJ, did you have a chance to celebrate? Yeah, I felt like I celebrated most like on the phone calls. I feel like my interviews are my celebration because I ain't never had that happen in my life before. And also, I got to celebrate with Steven. Like it was, he called me right afterwards and then literally right after I found out my nomination he had found out his literally right in front of my face and I was like yes! so yeah I guess those were all my celebrations and how about you Steven yeah that was really uh, the, well that evening um I right. I had some sugar fish and I <laughs> and I definitely popped a bottle of champagne yes. to toast my achievement our achievements um, but no, it was really beautiful. The minute I saw MJ's name come up, cause I was watching it live, we were FaceTiming. And so it was like really beautiful in real time to see her reaction to getting this affirmation from her peers. And then literally, as she noted, it's like, I found out that I got the writing and directing nominations in real time with her. And so we were just both yeah. having this really lovely moment, which for me was, it was really special, not just because I got to share it with MJ, um, who I adore, but, you know, when the very beginning of this process of filming this season, um, we had had a, a private conversation about MJ as, an, as a performer and about the character of Blanca and what we wanted to accomplish this season together. Um, mm -hmm. And then we, we had that same conversation again going into the finale um, so we, it felt like we were really truly lockstep as collaborators this season. So it was really nice to be able to both have that moment. That's yeah. so great. That's beautiful. So I recently rewatched the pilot, which has one of the most incredible opening sequences of all time with the house of abundance raiding the museum to collect the Royal accoutrement. Um, mm -hmm. so if you could go back to 2017, when you were shooting that and tell yourself one piece of advice about like what's in store for you, you know, cause you didn't know, I'm sure shooting the pilot, what a huge phenomenon pose would be. What would that advice be, MJ? Um, I just had a, a gag moment cause I can't believe that's 2017 <laughs> and we're in 2021 right now. That's insane. Um, oh, girl, get ready for the ride. Cause it's going to be a sickening one. It's going to be a little bumpy, but hey, you know, it's going to be ups and downs, but you got to live through it, girl. You're going to turn it. And um, listen, you have a lot of people that you are going to make happy and change their lives. So girl, just keep doing what you got to do. Keep thriving and keep people happy and keep promoting. This is the last thing I promise, the love, like L-O-V-E <laughs> all day. Excellent. And how about you, Steven? Um, I think just to enjoy the ride. I mean, I, I think the truth is that I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm passionate about the work that I do, but ultimately it's, I still see it as work. And so, um, you know, it's, I, the stakes feel very high, you know, it, back in 2017, when we were filming that pilot, I personally was coming off of two and a half years of being told 
this show has no value. You're never going to get this made. I don't know where the show lives. I don't know who the audience is. So I went into filming the the series, even having Ryan Murphy as a collaborator and Brad Falchuk as as a co-writer, and then having Ryan as the director of those first two episodes. In my head, I was still cycling through those conversations and feeling like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is actually going to do all the things that I hope it it accomplishes in terms of the industry and visibility for LGBTQ plus people. So I wish that I had been able to just fast forward to this moment and know how it's received, mm-hmm. because then I think I would have just enjoyed the process more. Mm. That make, yeah, that makes total sense. And one of the things that is so beautiful about Pose is on top of being so groundbreaking in terms of representation for LGBTQ It's also, you know, I'm a white, cis, hetero woman, and I loved it as a family drama. I like, I was just telling Stephen before this, I would tear up at the Christmas episode. Like, I just loved it. And MJ, when you joined the show, how much did you know about where Blanca's journey to motherhood and through motherhood would take her? Believe it or not, I didn't know that much about Blanca's journey. I only had a breakdown that I had read on Telsey and Company when I was looking through, you know, breakdowns and all I had known that she was this nurturing, caring woman. She was this woman who was obviously, you know, raised that didn't have a mother or a father. I knew those things within the breakdown. But when I got into it, I just, I fell completely in love with Blanca. I was very happy with the writing. Obviously, Stephen did a sickening job, Emmy nominated. Um, (laughs) But I was very blessed because not a lot of trans women get the opportunity to get to show what a lot of women in the 1980s, let alone even 2021, you know, get to tell the story of how trans women are raising children who have been displaced from their homes. They don't get to hear that. And what a beautiful way to do it through Pose, a, a story, a love letter from so many of the writers, many who really put a lot of work into, you know, really representing the LGBTQI community like how it should. I thought it was a dream. And um, no, I didn't expect any of this stuff to happen. I was a girl and still am a girl from Newark, New Jersey, who had aspirations and goals as a young actress, really trying to fight my way into it and finally getting a chance to do it with my community and being a part of so many intersectionalities of being a Latina woman and being a black woman and being trans and oh, also being a woman, representing all of that and being able to show that through the television screen and, and show the true human aspects, show the true human existence, like collectively, that was the blessing. And I was glad I got to bring that to this woman because I'm inspired by her. Yes. I'm, I look at her and I'm like, oh my God, because I'm, you know, I had to channel this woman. I, I, I'm i not this woman. I, I don't have children. I don't have kids. I don't have a house. You know, as Michaela J, I don't have these things. And when I saw the, the words come alive on the pages, I was like, this woman came from nothing. She didn't have a father, a mother, but yet and still she raised three resilient children. She received the fruits of her labor. Yes. She got that. And that's what I was aspiring to be. And I'm so glad a lot of people got to see that too. And now I'm sitting up here wishing that Blanca was still here, child, because I miss her. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, speaking of family, Stephen, you know, this season brought us some real insight into the family history of key characters. Pray tell went home to sort of 
say his goodbyes to his family and we learned more about Electra uh, and her family. Why was that something you guys wanted to explore in more depth this season? Well, I think a, a large part of it had to do with historically in film and television, when we're telling narratives about LGBTQ plus people, those stories are always rooted in our trauma. You know, we, we very rarely get to see our celebrations. We very rarely get to see the joy of what it means to be queer or trans. And a lot of times those narratives are also, they begin with our being untethered from our family. You know, it's, it's our family kicking us out. It's people discovering our, you know, who we are authentically. And then suddenly we now have to go forge ahead and, 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 find community. And I think what was really critically important for us in the writer's room when discussing this final season is to show the fact that a lot of these people are actually still connected, that we as LGBTQ plus people are still absolutely connected to our birth families. Um, and that we really needed to honor all of the complexities of that. So even if my relationship to my parent is as tenuous and difficult as Electra's is to her mother, that that's still a relationship that takes up emotional space and weight and it deserved to be honored. Yeah, that makes, yeah that's, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, this final season, as the show has through all of its seasons, this season continued telling the story of the AIDS epidemic and the toll it took on this community, especially in the black and brown uh, community. And MJ, I read that you heard from several younger viewers who told you they like learned about the severity of the AIDS crisis, AIDS HIV crisis through watching Pose. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I am someone who I keep in contact with my supporters and my fans. I mean, it's hard for me not to because they really put a lot of work into building me up and giving me all the love. So with that, there's so many young individuals that contact me through my, my direct messages. And a lot of them would say, you know, I didn't know how severe and how um, serious the epidemic was, the pandemic was. And I'm so glad that I had that, you know, they're not telling me these things. And, you know, that surprised me, but also there was a 50 percent side of me that didn't surprise me because I just, a lot of people just don't know the severity of HIV and how it's still rampant today, you know, even the younger generation. So it was such a blessing to know that a show like this being beautiful and entertaining, it was also educational and it got to tell people what we went through as people of color back in the 1980s and how we survived a truly serious, scarce pandemic. And, yeah. um, and we, and we were here. Exactly. Yeah. And Stephen, you know, this season, especially uh, when you're telling true stories about the AIDS HIV crisis, including the emergence of ACT UP and how crucial they were and the release of the cocktail and, and the struggle for black and brown people to get access to that cocktail. As a writer and director, how do you approach those stories in a way that is authentic, but also doesn't come across as like preachy or didactic? You want it still to be a good story. Well, A, I appreciate you asking the question because I think, you know, in the f during the first season of the show, didactic was actually funny enough, the word that I always used uh -huh. in, in our writer's room. And I always said, I don't want the show to be didactic. I don't right. want it to feel like we're thumping the audience over the head with a lesson. I don't want the show to feel like an after-school special. And I don't know, I suppose if, if you break the, sh the series down, there are probably some episodes that feel that way to some discerning viewers, but... Overall, I think what we always talked about and the thing that I always 
hope to ensure with our show is that we just leaned all the way into the truth, you know? And so the reality is that like, we are beautiful, complex beings, you know, and for the characters on our show who happen to be black and Latin, who happen to be having a trans experience, who happen to be queer, we are a series of multitudes. Like we're not just one thing, you know, we Mm -hmm. are, our joys and our triumphs and we are also our hurts and our traumas and like and and what we what i hope to accomplish through the show was just to show all of that you know to show every single facet of what it means to just be a human right Mm -hmm. having a lived experience um and so you know sometimes it was a tricky balancing act you know because the, the truth is that our characters are facing some really dire circumstances. As MJ noted, it's like they were living in the middle of a global pandemic mm-hmm. as we are today mm-hmm. with no resources, with right. no money, with no access to medical care, as we highlighted in our series finale. Um, and so how the question we always were asking ourselves was, how do you make a way out of no way? Right. Um, and I think for all of us it, in the writer's room, and I think, it's, and for the actors as well who are portraying these characters, I think what we always did is we always referenced our own real lived experience. Yeah. And I think that's the benefit, to be honest, I think that's the benefit of allowing the individuals who have lived that life to tell their own story. You know, mm-hmm. the reality is that, like, I never had to have a conversation with MJ about how to manufacture the feelings of what Blanca is going through because you know, as folks of color, as queer and trans people, like we already understand that, right? Mm -hmm. So there was always a shorthand to how to express the journey. Yeah. And Stephen, you know, when you look back on, you know, season one to now, I mean, one of the things that strikes me is just how much MJ has grown as a Mm -hmm. performer. Like, it feels like every season, every episode, she gets more comfortable. How would you describe her growth over the course of the series? It's been beautiful to see. I mean, the truth is, as MJ noted, and she said this, you know, multiple times in in many interviews, like, you know, I'm just a girl from Newark. And the the (laughs) truth is that MJ is, she's so unaffected by the ways that her life and her world has changed. So the girl that I met, the woman that I met in that audition room in you know, the early part of of the summer of 2017 is the same woman who I got to direct in our series finale. Like that never changed. Like she's just, she is so luminescent is the word that I use when I think about MJ, but she's just a bright light, you know, and she brings that to set all the time. You know, like, I don't think that, you know, sometimes as collaborators, you have moments where you bump heads or you disagree or you, and like MJ and I, whether we were talking about, the show, whether we were talking about life, whether we were literally in the midst of of a scene that I'm directing, whether it was emotional for her or not, that never was the case. That never happened. I think like we just don't, that's one of the places where MJ and I deeply overlap is I think we just, we bring a different energy and a vibe to the work, but I always felt like I had a co-conspirator in her. And so it's interesting because I think that the, the truth is I I'm, so wildly happy um, that she is now an Emmy-nominated actress. But the truth is, like, I felt, and perhaps I'm biased, 
But to me, it's like, it feels like everyone's just late to the party. Right. Like I felt that she was worthy back going back to the first season. I remember right. being at the monitor watching her during the scene when she's talking to Charlene Woodard's character, Helena, and pleading for Damon to get that audition uh, for the yeah. dance school. And I remember at that moment thinking that's going to be part of her Emmy reel, you know? And so the reality is like, has she grown? Absolutely. I would never take that away from her. But I, I think the reality is like the beauty and the greatness that people are recognizing in her now coming off of the final season. Like I saw that four years ago when we first met. But, I mean, that makes total sense. And it's also very sweet. And uh, I love you. you, know. I love you. <laughs> and of course, you know, Stephen has several nominations, including for directing uh, the series finale, MJ. How would you describe his style as a director? Because obviously people have different styles and you work with all sorts of directors over the course of the show. What's Stephen like to, to work like with? Stephen is so smooth. It's like, like he said, it's easy. I feel like, you know, we had just a great vibe on set. We had a lot in common. He mentioned something that he didn't want it to be didactic. I didn't want Blanca to be didactic. I didn't want her to be the stereotypical character that everyone would see. And the fact that we thought the same, I knew that moving forward in the work together, it was just going to be a smooth, easy process. And that is exactly what it was with Stephen Canals. Like, I mean, there's nothing else that I can really say. He's just amazing. And I feel like any actor or actress would want that dream to have a director and a writer to work with where it's just smooth sailing. And, yes. you know, and you trust each other. I trusted him. There were moments where I was didn't know what to do. And he was like, you should do this, MJ. And I was like, okay, okay. And I, I, I'll never forget this moment. And he tells me this too. I'll never forget the moment in final season where he was like, take your moment. This is your time. And that felt so good coming from him. Not that it didn't feel good coming from any other director because I love all of the other people that were working, but from him, from the first time he saw me in that room to the time he saw me now, he, he, he ain't lied. I haven't been, I ain't changed at all. I'm still a girl, you know, from North New Jersey, just with, you know, a little bit of every nomination, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just but, a little bit, just a little bit, yes. But like, he made it so easy for me. He never... It just was teamwork. And I always told him, I was like, teamwork makes a dream work, you know, That's being true. cheesy. But I I meant it. I meant yeah. it every single day. And that is exactly what he exemplifies. So I appreciate him. So I just have a few more questions. First, I want to talk about uh, in the series finale, there's a bit of a Sex in the City homage. You have that amazing shot of Blanca and Electra and Angel and Lulu strutting down the cobblestone street in the meatpacking district. But then there's, mm -hmm. you know, the episode also throws a little shade at Sex in the City when Blanca says they need to call it being white in the city because ain't none of them uh -huh. got a black or Latina friend, which, you know, She's not wrong. Uh, Steven, can you give us a little background on how that element of the series finale came about? Sure. I mean, I think that part of it is we wanted a moment of celebration for the women. Um, and so we had talked about that in the room. I know when we discussed that the finale wasn't going to end, you know, on the heels of Praytel's death, but that we were going to time jump within the episode to 1998, Ryan Murphy was like, I think we need a moment where we get to see the women all together, um, you know, communing with one another and we get to see how they've grown, how they've changed, where they are now. Um, and so Our Lady J, um, writer, producer, she's the person who scripted the moments where we get to see them together. And initially on the page, it was 
I think the very first thing she wrote, if you read the script, is like they're walking down the street together and it feels like a sex in the city moment. And so I think it was out of that that we started having conversations about the ways that um, these particular girlfriends are distinctly different Mm -hmm. from what we typically have seen on television. And so, you know, I know a lot of people have made a meal out of it feels like we're throwing shade at Sex and the City when the reality is actually really love Sex and the City. Um, I think it's a great show. I thought Sarah Jessica Parker and the other actresses on that show were fantastic. Um, but I think that we we wanted to highlight in our show, it seems maybe a little, um, it's a little knowing and a little bit wink, wink. But for us, we just wanted the audience to know that we're in on it. Like we're hyper aware <laughs> that like, sure, there mm-hmm. may be some overlap, but this is very different. You've never yes. seen four Black women, four Latin women, four trans women. Yes talking the way that they're talking and having, you know, friendships and relationships in this way. Yes. And uh, did you love, did you love that line, MJ, when, when uh, Blanca had her thoughts about, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was very crafty and I thought it was actually spot on. I mean, it was, it's, you know, shade can be sometimes sharp and sometimes it can be truthful and uplifting at the same time. I think it was beautiful that we got to, um, actually hold that moment together as the four women at the table holding counsel actually around so many cisgender women and us being the four trans women in that room having a conversation and fitting in and not having a worry in the world and I think that's one of the reasons why I was rooted in that comment because it's just like how many times do four trans women get to sit at a table with a whole bunch of cis women in a space, not be bothered and have a beautiful conversation about what's happened in their lives? Like yes. that was everything. So yeah, I mean, it was cute. They were having a conversation, <laughs> you know? You know? And it's, it's a lovely kind of full circle moment from the season two episode when they go to the country club and Electra has to tell that woman to go that back to her off. clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> so um, finally, I mean, I know uh, you may still be considering this, but uh, with final round voting beginning on August 13th, you've got to choose which episodes to submit. And I'm wondering, Stephen, do you have a thought about what episodes the show might submit for its outstanding drama series consideration and, and what's the thinking behind them? That's a great question. I think we're all still in conversation about what would be the right episode to really um, represent our series at the Emmys. You know, the the truth is that the final season, I'm so proud of all of the episodes. And I think that there's an argument for each and every one of them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, we've always been from the very beginning, very intentional um, on our show. And so, you know, I think Again, we're still having conversations about that, but for sure, you know, those conversations are coming from a place of intention and making sure that, you know, we're really thoughtful about what represents us. And MJ, how about you? I mean, you have so many great moments this season. Are there some that are sticking out in your mind that you may want to submit? You know, I mean, I I would submit the seventh episode only because it's a great collection of all of us. one was one of the longest episodes out of all of them. And it highlighted each and every one of us the way it should have highlighted us. And I think it ended so beautifully too. I mean, it showed so many ranges of emotions. It showed so many different types of ups and downs that I feel like 
really exemplify the characters like how they needed to. And like, and for me, I, I truly do believe it shows a beautiful round case of where the characters have gone, how they are and what they've done, you know? And um, yeah, so I think the seventh episode is a collective of all of us and how much work we put in. So yeah. yes. And nobody Wonder Woman spins and twirls in the rain oh, quite like MJ <laughs> Rodriguez. <laughs> Oh, you know I have fun with that Stephen too. You know I was still dancing after that whole thing. I just I know you did. Everything. Wait, Kristen, can I tell you really quickly? When yes. we were filming that, it was so funny. So we're we're filming that, and um, and we worked really closely with with James Alsop, who's an incredible choreographer. And so the first take, which is actually on my Instagram page, the very first take of me sitting at my village watching, because I wasn't sure if the rain was really going to work, because it was a practical Mm -hmm. effect. There was no VFX. Like, it was real rain pouring in our ballroom set. Um, So we do the first take, and it's great. And then we go in to shoot it again. And MJ, she, she actually, in between the first and second take, she says to me, can I just really, like, I just want this moment to feel very ballroom. And I was like, it's your moment. Take your moment. Like the cameras know what they need to do. You just have fun. She was like, great. So she does her spin and then she does a dip where she comes down. And it was like, everybody was just beside themselves. Like what is happening right now? And I think everyone's used to seeing MJ when she's playing Blanca's being, you know, Blanca's the mom. She's always very together. And so to see her just let loose in that way, like everyone was, it was crazy. But as I was editing it, it was great. I I got a phone call from MJ and I was like, it's, you know, we're cutting the episode. It's beautiful. You're fantastic. And the only, the only time MJ has ever asked me for anything, she calls and she's just like, (laughs) do me a favor. She was like, if in the episode, you don't keep the dip, can you just send me that clip so that I can personally have it? And I was like, I trust, trust me, we're leaving the dip in. The dip will be there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was, he is right spot on. I was like, oh my God, no lie. That dip, I was so happy with that dip. Cause I could, I could have bust my butt y'all. Um, but I was real happy that I landed it. Yes, and now the world has it for posterity, not just you, everybody. It has been such a true joy talking to you. I have loved the show from day one, and I am so thrilled uh, to talk to you face to face. And congratulations on all the nominations, all the success. And uh, we can't wait to see what you do in the future. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank this you. was great. Thank you so much. It really was. My cheeks are hurt, and I, I don't know if you see, <laughs> but they hurt again. <laughs> um, category is Golden Statue Fabulousness right there. That was so great. <laughs> I love them. I, it just ma- I think you've said this. You had a smile on your face, uh, you yes. know, just thinking about it. I, that's how I felt listening to the entire conversation because uh, well, the show, you. if no one has watched, I mean, you really need to. It's only three seasons. It's available to stream. You've got to check it out. Um, it's just, it's, the show is just, obviously, it's an important show. It's a groundbreaking show. It's just, it speaks volumes to where our country was, where we're moving, uh, you know, socially, politically, so much of that. It's a must watch. And it's also just as groundbreaking as it is and important as it is, 
it's a really heartwarming family yeah. drama. Like that's what yeah. it is at its core. And that's what I loved it from minute one. And so it was mm -hmm. a real honor to talk to those two. And I am excited to see all the looks that the whole post cast is going to bring. Oh, uh, right. On the and we're talking looks, L-E-W-K-S on those. Uh, yeah, Luke's <laughs> on, the, uh, on the red carpet. Use it as their runway. I hope they do. Well, that's going to do it for this week of the awardist. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate us, leave a review, say how much you love us, all that good stuff. If you have other feedback that isn't as positive, feel free to share it elsewhere. For example, on social media, I'm at yeah. Kristen G. Baldwin and Jared is you're at Jared Hall. I am at Jared Hall. But you could also share positive feedback on social yeah, media. Positive. I'm at, you know, constructive we're here for all of it we we welcome the as as they say on pose we welcome the reads the library is always open you guys it's totally fine <laughs> we'll see you next right, week well. on the awardist <laughs> bye Kristen. bye